You've tuned into another episode of Radio Free HPC, the show where we talk about supercomputing, high-performance computing, and a variety of high-tech topics. I'm Dan Olds from Intersect 360 Research, joined as always by my co-hosts, Henry Newman of Seagate Government Solutions, Shaheen Khan from Orion X, and our near-millennial standout, Jesse Lanham. In association with our media partner, HPC Wire, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome everyone to another scintillating edition of Radio Free HPC. Uh, this episode is guaranteed to be scintillating or your money back. I'm Dan Olds, as always, joined by Shaheen Khan down in the valley. How's it going, Shaheen? Excellent, Dan. Oh, we had rain. We had torrential rains for like many days and it's been great. Well, good. Good. And I'm glad you're not one of those that's, you know, Californians that's complaining, oh, there's no, mo there's no moisture. We don't have any water. Now we have too much water. Good job. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. Yes. 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 And we have Jesse Lanham out in West Lafayette. How's it going, Jesse? It's going much better since I got my DSL line repaired. Yeah. I have internet again. That was kind of a bad showing on your part last show. Yeah, it turns out that they're uh, they're doing some road construction down the way, and uh, they sent a ditch digger through the line for my neighborhood. Ah, so nice. It was great. Yeah. Well, we've had a lot of outage here because of rains and fallen trees and such. So Ooh. you know, our internet kind of was very intermittent pretty much until this morning. Mm. Well, you got it back now, though. Welcome to my world. And we have Henry Newman. Not in his survivalist compound in Las Cruces, New Mexico, but in a hotel ensconced in the suburbs of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. How you doing, Henry? I'm doing most excellent, Dan. And as a reminder, I live in Mesilla. No, it's Las Cruces, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Having been there three times now. Three times. Three times. But before we do anything else, we have to introduce our special guest, who is the chair of SC21, Bronis Dasipinski. How are you, Bronis? Doing well. I'm sitting here in America Center in St. Louis. And it sounds like from your response to the invitation that they've got you pulling wire for Cynet. Yeah, so I'm here for Cynet staging. I, they tell me I'm the first general chair that's shown up for staging. Yeah, I believe that. I guess I have to believe it. It's great. Kudos to you for doing that. Hands on, hands on management. Do you have a crimper with you? Well, I, I flew here, so I'm using their tools when, when, when they let me near them. Nice. Are we saying you've got a tool belt on right now? No, I don't have a tool belt on right now. We're, we're done with most of the racking, although uh, the current uh, job that, that they've been asking me to help with is... Uh, putting things into the tunnel mm. so we, we, we actually have tunnels here underneath the exhibit floor so we'll be able to bring the fiber in from underneath so there won't be a bunch of fiber overhead as, as you may have seen at previous scs nice very nice that's excellent yeah. that's excellent good to hear is Cynet going to be as big as usual no okay nothing about sc21 will be as big as usual i guess um but that, that's the reality we're dealing with. Um, it's going to be a great show. We, we have, I mean, I guess the, the program is basically as big as usual, but 
you know, we're, we're expecting to be downsized in number of attendees, still plenty of people, but not as many as uh, say in SC 19, when they had 14,000 people, um, we're not going to have. You've got the most unenviable task. You've been whipsawed back and forth by COVID on this. I mean, last year, they knew going in pretty much that it was going to be virtual. Well, I haven't, I haven't been whipsawed back, back and forth. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, no, I've been quite focused. Yeah, we're, we're going to be here. That's what I've said for the entire year. You know, some people just don't seem to know me very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that uh, there's going to be a they lot. Do of, now. They do now. <laughs> now they've got a little taste. And actually that, that brings us to some grumbling that uh, we've seen on the internet, Twitter. Twitter is the place to go for all the facts, Dano. Oh, oh yeah. absolutely. Oh, that's completely the, substantiated. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But there's been a lot of uh, muttering, bitching, that sort of thing, mostly without any information about how exhibitors are being handled by the committee and that sort of thing. And I guess you said it best, uh, Bronis, in the pre-call that just reach out, right? Our, our exhibits management team, I mean, you got they, they need to be a little bit understanding of the exhibits management team and that there has been a lot more um, people trying to get a hold of them. So they've been pretty oh, busy. Sure. They've been busier than usual. But, um, you know, we're, we're getting back to people. We're, you know, people who contact us, we try and uh, work with. Um, sure. You know, and we've been pretty darn accommodating. I mean, you, you, you read it accounts about exhibitors that aren't going to be here, but that when, when they reach out to us, they say, well, we've, we've decided not to, to put our exhibit up, but, but we want to still be there. We still want our registrations that, that go along with our exhibit. We still want our meeting space. Will that be okay? Not naming any names or nothing. No, but, no. But, you know, report, reports of exhibitors who won't be here are, are often not really very accurate, is my response. Ah. Like, what, is it, what do you mean by not here? Kind of like Twitter doesn't let facts get in the way of their opinions. That's exactly the, the problem. <laughs> yeah, and there's some pot stirrers out there, too. Oh, that really, Dan? I know. I know. <laughs> Did SC anticipate the vendor issue of, of some people wanting to have both remote and in-person or wanting to pull out of in-person and that sort of mishmash that occurred? Well, I mean, knowing that we were going to have uh, a, a virtual platform and support uh, remote attendees as well as in-person, we, we anticipated that certainly the exhibitors would want to do both. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, the situation has gotten um, better recently in terms of international exhibitors, but we, we anticipated that there would certainly be some international exhibitors who would find it not possible to travel here. Um, so, some have made arrangements where they're uh, working with either, you know, U.S. staff or, or others who are in the U.S. to cite their booths and, and man their boost for them but you know some are we understood wouldn't be able to be here so i think the answer to your question is yes 
Marcus, I'd like to switch the subject. Tell us about what's going on, which, you know, Super Kumi wasn't really the done program. for the, the program. It wasn't done for the exhibitors. It's done for the, the technical program. So, quote, technical program. This part, the part that's specifically called the technical program is done for those who get tech program registration. But we have lots of parts of the program that are done for all of the attendees. Um, you know, the, the keynote is open to just about everybody. Uh, so is the Monday plenary. We, we've got a, a great program, I think. So you, you may have heard that Vince Cerf is the keynote speaker. Yes. Um, yeah. And so I guess um, this will be the second time we have the, the uh, founder of the Internet speaking at SC or something like that. Um, you, you can fill in the blanks on that one. Uh, but but this time it really is the the, the creator of uh, you know TCP/IP and lots of networking technology. That's what we talk about. But um, that's not what he'll be talking about. He's actually going to be talking about some stuff he's been doing more recently, looking at um, things like analyzing the works of Shakespeare and and being able to to learn interesting things about them. Uh, kind of fits into the theme of science and beyond. Um, so um, there'll be plenty of the usual science, um, simulation science, things like that coming out. But there'll also be plenty of how does uh, large scale computing impact our, our lives beyond just the science that, that um, us geeks do. Um, That's very cool. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at that right now. Uh, computing and the humanities is the the title of it. And I think that sounds really interesting. Really, we see large scale. I mean, so, so I don't know. Did you read about the system that Tesla was building? A little bit. Tell us tell us about it. Well, I don't know a whole lot about it, but but it's it's an indication of how how pervasive supercomputing is. I mean, I know Tesla is designing their own chips. Everybody seems to be designing their own chips these days. It's kind of an interesting development in and of itself. Um, they're they're building a big system that's right. That it it's actually what I read about it says that that it's got um, able to do on I/O on all four sides of it, and and they basically can plug the chips together and build up these kind of big super chips almost. I forget what they call them, but they they're building these uh, wafer these uh, modules that then they then plug more of them together. It's going to be, I mean, they're they're calling it an uh, an exascale system. It's not by by my definition of it because they're counting sixteen bit operations. But okay, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're using it for training AI models to you know drive cars. That's pretty cool. And 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 Bronis, is this ARM or Risk Five or the chips they're using? I think it's Risk Five, but I don't remember. I don't have it in front of me, to be honest. You, you should you should Google it. Tesla and Exascale. It, it's pretty interesting. I, I it's been a few weeks now since since I read about it, but I I was pretty surprised by it. I don't I'm not claiming we had Tesla coming here this year, but um, I can well envision them being a, an exhibitor SC in the future and getting their tech people here to talk about. Why are they building their own chips instead of buying them from, I don't know, AMD or I don't know, other companies that I won't bother to name? Make a note. Let's get that Elon Musk fellow 
is a guest on Radio Free. They do not say uh, what it is. It's just called a D1 chip and their chip nodes, at least what I saw, it doesn't say what the, what the chip is. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I thought I saw somewhere that it's risk five, but I'm, but I'm not sure. And okay. It, it, it's, it's actually more the, the way they're uh, assembling them into so that they get a lot of IO between them. I mean, it's, it's basically, they're building a, a, a giant um, data flow processor from what I can figure. I mean, I, from what I saw, they didn't really release a whole lot, but you know, it seems like everybody who's building the, an AI accelerator is, is building a, really a giant data flow architecture or some sort. Yeah. But the, remember the multi-flow chip from the late eighties, sort of like that in your mind? No, that was LIW. That was long instruction word. But and it was, it, one, was a, it was a data flow. I thought chip. No, it wasn't. Wasn't. Okay. No, the data flow machines, uh, computation gets triggered by the arrival of data. So it's not control flow where you choreograph what goes where. You kind of yeah, let data flow. And, and Technically, I don't know that these things are really data flow machines, but they're, they're very much designed for fast communication between lightweight processors, right? It, it is possible they're redefining things because a lot of people do that these days too. And I, yeah. they just well, put it, I mean, and they put it on the Twitter. The underpinning of of why it's efficient is very similar to to the old data flow architecture, mm -hmm. connection machines and stuff. So, well, what are the keynotes? Well, so Vince Surf is the keynote, and then we've oh, wow. got a. Uh, out, That's a good catch. Yeah. Well, we we were quite pleased that he accepted our invitation. Um, we have a really good panel Monday night uh, before the opening gala. Uh, so Dan Reed, who's familiar uh -huh. with many of us, is the moderator of it. But I, I'm not sitting in front of my computer, so you know, so can I can I remember all of the the, the four panelists? So we have um, Ellen Ochoa. Uh, we have uh, Tony Hay. And we have um, Joel Saltz and Kristen something good one. I'm sorry, I'm I'm That's okay. on You're, your phone. You've been down pulling cables all day. It's you don't have your computer <laughs> yeah, in front of you. I'm, I'm tired from from I don't know. I, actually, I've been doing less of that than I'd hoped because uh, I, I had a couple meetings uh, related to. SC and other stuff this morning. So. Of course, I'm sure. You know, actually, Jesse had a great question. I'm going to steal it from her. Oh, you ready for this? That sounds rude. Yeah, it is. But that's how <laughs> I roll. But this, this is but, one way he makes sure he gets them right. Yes. Uh, <laughs> her question was, what are the couple of things that go with being the chair of the conference that people wouldn't know about that makes it you know so complex good question uh, makes it complex as opposed or difficult fun well give well, us like, some so, of so each so like, take, take, taking the fun question like recently a, 
I was asked to select the, the voice of SC that does all the voiceovers for our, our videos and things that, that we have introduced the keynote and award winners and things like that. And that was like, do what? So I got that and I got, I got to pick out the, the, you know, what, what the sound of, of SC will be uh, for SC 21. Um, what are some of the most difficult things you have to do? Well, so, so, you know, like as this year, the most difficult things I've had to do is dealing with people complaining about whether, no matter what decisions I make that complaining about them endlessly, you know, cause it's like, they, they apparently it's like, we're, we're, we're in this new era where no matter what you do, it's the wrong decision. It feels like, Hmm. Uh, it's That's been kind of, I, I, I don't know. I guess it's not really difficult cause I just kind of like, well, move past it but but it has been kind of irritating at times uh, the the job of general chair is primarily a, a job of, of figuring out who, who's going to do all the real jobs right and getting them in place um, and i've been lucky i i guess I, I i did a pretty good job with that i got a really good committee in place and um, people are, are are doing an outstanding job getting everything uh, moving and, and put together. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lot of work in a normal year and this year it's like three times that. So, and, Mm. and, uh, we kind of made a conscious decision. I mean, normally planning SC is about a three year job and we had done, you know, pretty much the normal set of stuff that you would do in that first year. And then suddenly, uh, COVID hit and, um, we, we were dealing with a lot of uncertainty, so we made kind of a conscious decision to slow down and, and backload more of the effort than we normally would. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, I mean, that, that, that makes things more difficult, but, but not excessively difficult. But it turns out that, you know, like if you, if you want to do a hybrid conference, like, which is what everybody calls it, I don't know, that's what I call it, but... Um, we, we've got remote attendees as well as in-person attendees. We've got to put together a way to like live stream everything out. We're, we're ending up doing more work than ever and we're doing it in a shorter time frame. That's been the, the most complex thing is figuring out how to get all that to work. I do not envy you that task. And I'm curious as who you're mentoring for next year, who's the chair next year that you're passing the baton to? Has that been announced? Well, yeah, I guess it has been publicly announced. So it's Candy Colhane from Oh yeah. formerly DOD. Right. Good for her. She is a friend of our show, in fact. Yep. She's one of the 16 uh, who listen. Ah, okay. I didn't know that. You didn't know there were 16? You didn't know that she was one of them? <laughs> I didn't know there were 16. I thought it was 12. <laughs> we bounced back up. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's a go. good thing. Did you this is one reason that, we can't have a 29th email. Yeah. Yeah. Did uh, you ahead, mention Jesse. brought us? Yeah. Did you mention that uh, Ellen Ochoa is going to be at SC this year? Yes, I did. That is an awesome guest to have. Um, I, I'm I'm very excited by it. She's the the first Hispanic woman to go to space. She spoke at Purdue about a year ago, and she's a phenomenal speaker to hear hear talk about science and engineering. Yeah. So our panel is about. Um, Science, large-scale computing, and and the interplay of them with ethics. Um, oh, very cool. So, 
so she we we felt she was a really good person to talk on that topic. Um, that's why we invited her. Um, Kristen, I'm not remembering her full name. Goodwin is um, a, a, a counsel at general counsel at Microsoft, and she's done a lot of work in that area also. So the the idea of the the panel is to to really um, explore, you know, thing, you know, there's a lot of news these days about ethical AI and you know how how does you know how AI gets biased, can be biased, um, and so exploring the, the questions about how really can can you make sure that that what you're doing with computing is ethical. But we're also looking at, at trying to explore some of the other ways around, right? Like if you get enough computing, maybe you could figure out that the things are biased. Um, it's a tricky question, right? Because yeah. you know, certainly if you're mm-hmm. doing AI, you know, you're only as good as the data that you put in, right? So yeah, that'll be a really interesting panel to listen to. She was uh, one of the directors of Johnson Space Center, so I think she's uniquely position to talk about that sort of issue yeah exactly like i said we we are very excited to to have her agree to to appear here and you know i i should make it clear that that our keynote speaker is going to be here in st louis our plenary panelists are going to be here in st louis they're going to appear you know live on the stage awesome that is excellent that's very cool and uh, I know there'll be a bunch of us there to see this. So anything else we need to know about this, about the conference, other than to encourage people to be there? Well, um, you don't have some you know, killer I mean, last 30 seconds that's going to drive us to action. Well, so, yeah, it's time for your so, radio pitch. So you, you recognizing that Ellen Otoa was the first Latina to go into space uh, brings up the fact that we, we've really been working hard to, to make the conference more inclusive. Uh, we have a, a talk that's specifically sponsored by the conference to explore um, issues of diversity and the like. Um, I think the speaker's name is Chandra Daly. Um, and that she'll be talking, speaking on Tuesday about noon. We also have a, a, an invited talk with, uh, by Valerie Taylor, where it's actually um, a roundtable discussion that, that she's organizing, exploring specifically the issues of, of diversity in computing. We'll have a Discord server. I don't know. I, I, this is, you know, like, I, I, I don't think i'm old i don't feel old but i, I don't know what it is so, so uh, maybe jessica can explain it to, to do a discord is? <laughs> yeah it, it's like um think about slack but you can have more voice channels is essentially the, the easiest way to put it that's sort of how it was described to me i was like oh, okay yeah slack that's one of those things that that i that i know what it is but like I have too many uh, communication channels already. I don't know how, 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 yeah. kids, how, how like my kids and, and folks do that, how, how they can have so many communication channels and not get overwhelmed by it. Yeah. I'd like to cut some down myself. They, they, they do get overwhelmed by it. Yes. 
I have one more question. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up something near and dear to my heart and the rest of us out there, and maybe even the 16 uh, student cluster competition. That's happening. Um, all virtual this year, I think. It, it's gone all virtual this year, yeah. Uh, there will be a booth, so you can stop by and check in with them, and uh, you know people will be there to talk about it. But the, the uh, most of the teams decided that uh, for various reasons they weren't going to be able to to be in St. Louis, so so we accommodated them. It's, we also have uh, competitions that are going on. Prior to the conference, uh, data science challenge, um, there's a computing for change activity that's going on um, the week before the conference, if I've got the dates all right. We also added the Indie Car Student Cluster Competition, which is intended as sort of a precursor to being in the regular student cluster competition. The idea there is that, that all of the resource, you don't build your own cluster. It's always going to be all cloud-based and um, it's really about optimizing the software. And the idea is the, the top teams out of that in, in uh, at SC, say 21, would, would automatically be chosen as uh, student cluster competition teams for SC 22. Oh, oh good. And can, how how do you how do you apply for the to be in the indie student cluster competition or do you go out and recruit? Um, so it's I, I you know it's the same kind of uh, application process I believe as as with the regular one where you submit an application. Some of the teams that weren't selected for the regular student cluster competition were, were invited to instead. Um, participate in the IndyCar one. Uh, I think, you know, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not deeply involved personally in the organizing of the student cluster competition. So, um, sure. but I believe that, that there is some work uh, to uh, actually go and recruit teams. I mean, the, the, the idea of the, the cluster competitions was to impact um, curricula and to, to get, large-scale computing as, as part of the computer science curriculum at various different universities. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that we found is that, that the student cluster competition ends up being such a small set of teams and such a you know, focused activity. Um, if you don't get selected, you, know, you don't end up maintaining it as part of the curricula. Um, uh, and so we're, we're, we're actually trying to figure out ways to make it so that universities are, are teaching about large-scale computing and, and the things that are involved in, in something like a cluster competition and being able to uh, administer large-scale systems, things like that, mm -hmm. um, on an ongoing basis and, and trying to think about ways to, to make that something that's supported by um, – you know, the societies, the IEEE Computer Society and SIG HPC from ACM. That's awesome. I'm a huge fan of that, especially as the person on the show who's still an undergrad. We used to have HPC and then large computing classes that we could take, and they got dropped over time due to the, like, kind of like what you said, um, the inability to really have an application. 
to have kids practice those, those skills. Well, we're still working to get that going. And actually I'll probably reach out to you at some point, Bron, as to uh, get you guys involved in the, um, well, actually Lawrence Livermore has been a great supporter of the winter classic invitational cluster competition. Hopefully we'll have you guys sponsoring a couple of teams again. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I know that um, somebody who works for me and is actually here this week also, um, Adam Birch, is, is uh, been involved in that. And, and yeah, we're, we're very supportive and we want to see that, that kind of thing. You know, we, we, we need people who are smart and, and ready to, to work in large-scale computing. So whatever we can do to Absolutely. encourage people to. I think it's a fun field, you know, so – you know, Jessica, I, I hope you, you follow through and, and, and end up looking for, yeah, uh, you know, places to work in, in, in large scale computing. It's, yeah. You post, post Marine Corps. We hope, we hope that to be the case. I oh, think you should do it in the Marine Corps. Marine Corps. I, if the Marine yeah, Corps let me not? do it, I would 110% do HPC as a Marine. That would be the ideal situation. Well, you should well, look into it. Yeah. We'll work on that. I mean, we got a guy here from Army Research Lab uh, this week. I mean, there's a lot of people in DOD who do large-scale computing. So, uh, last year's general chair, Christine Cookie, is I think with Naval Research Lab. I believe so. Was, yes, she. Yep, Nav uh, Navo DSRC. That's yeah. Yeah, you, you've been involved with those folks a lot too, right, Henry? Yes, I have. Very good. Well, we got to wrap this up because I know Henry has a hard stop at uh, 1.43. He usually schedules himself. Yeah, for billing purposes, Henry schedules himself in eight-minute increments. I, which, I'm not I didn't know he was a lawyer. I know. Uh, the, the clients appreciate that. It's his moonlighting job. <laughs> his, his clients just can't get enough of his eight minute increment billing wisdom yes yes doled out you know henry if you do every seven minutes that's a prime number but it won't add up to 60 also that's a that's a feature yes well that does give henry a little bit of time for the the few biological he needs he has refill his oil <laughs> the hydraulic pressure in his legs, things like that. Henry is more machine than man. He's a highly tuned machine. Yes, calibrated servos. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Bronis. We really appreciate you taking the time. Everybody out there, we want to encourage you to go to SC21. Get on a plane, people. Come on, drive. Drive cross country. That would be fun. Road trip. That would be fun. Let's see a caravan of, of cars heading into St. Louis for SC21. Uh, thank you all out there for listening. We will be back at you with new content very soon. Bye-bye. Yay! Boom. Thank you for listening to this episode of Radio Free HPC. Reach out to us on email at podcast at Radio Free HPC or via Twitter at Radio Free HPC. As a quick note, the views and opinions of Henry Newman are his and do not reflect any policy or position of Seagate Government Solutions or Seagate Technology. Thanks again for listening.